Welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. It's RotoWire's fantasy hockey show featuring me, Paul Bruno, in Toronto, Ontario. And you can follow me at Statsman22. And my co host, as always, is the mellifluous voice of AJ Scholes, who's a great follower to AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to RotoWire headquarters over in Madison, where there's a lot going on with football in the playoffs, NHL in midseason, and baseball just around the corner not to mention basketball as well. And there's soccer on the international scene. So lots and lots going on, but we're going to spend uh, an hour or so talking hockey today. And off the top, uh, AJ, I got to tell you, your uh, former GM in Pittsburgh, Jim Rutherford really struck a chord with me. You know that, and I think you feel the same way. We've been crying for uh, honesty and openness from uh, team management types who hide the nature of injuries, don't share a lot with the media. But he went on record in Vancouver yesterday and he spilled his guts and, and was very open about the state of the team and how they might be dealing with their captain and on and on it went. It's just so many kernels of, of information that uh, the scribes, uh, the local media and uh, the hockey media in general must have loved it because there's so many storylines that fell out of what he said. But the bottom line is he was open and honest and shared as much as as you can only hope as, as a, a fan or a reporter of the club out in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, that's always kind of been the word um, from the, the media scribes here, or over in Pittsburgh, rather, uh, when he was here. So they talked pretty glowingly about his willingness to be available to talk about pretty much any topics. And, you know, that's not to say that he you know won't, play things close to the vest if he's thinking about trading a player or bringing in another guy. But uh, he's always open and honest about his evaluation of the team and where the team stands, the cap situation. Uh, and then, yeah, been a pretty good source of honesty and openness when it comes to injuries and when you could uh, expect guys back. So he was always great to have in Pittsburgh. Um, I think he did exactly what the organization wanted him to in terms of going win now mode and we got a couple cups to show for it. So I've, I've got no complaints about Jim Rutherford's time uh, in Pittsburgh, obviously some odd contracts that he does periodically um, when he gives guys maybe a little more money than he would otherwise, because he really wants somebody to come in, but Hey, look, you got to take the good with the bad. So um, I enjoyed having him as, as the GM of the Penguins. That's for sure. And, And I mean, what a blueprint for other managers to, to, make the most of their relationship with their fans and really connect and, and be open and, and honest with them. I mean, I don't get the nature of some of the coaches and managers who don't want to give any information. A case in point, John Tortorella, who, who goes on record, says he hates the all-star game. You know, it's a jewel of the NHL calendar. And I mean, I don't watch it in depth either, but for him to run it down like he did, it's quite a stark contrast in terms of what you hope to give your fan base. And so, uh, just two polar opposites there, and I know which one I want to see 31 other teams emulate. I'll say that for sure. AJ, that said, we have another slate full of games this past week that have led to some changes in the rosters and news for each of the teams. So why don't we swing into action there, and I'll kick us off with a look at the Anaheim Ducks. This is a team that uh, they're, they're getting scores from, scoring from the top end of their roster but my goodness, they're wanting for, for depth scoring. And they haven't seen the development of guys like Max Comtois and Sam Carrick like I, like I thought they might. And Jacob Silverberg certainly has step, taken a step back. So really, for me, th- this team has to find a way to get better mileage out of some of their 
their second and third liners. But one positive thing is that Mason McTavish now is getting a run at center on the second, on the first line. And I mean, he picked up six points last week, only had uh, two weeks. So only had one last week, but he's getting a good run of 17, 18 minutes a night to see whether he can take a couple of steps in his development. And that's really the kind of thing that people's got to watch for and see who he's playing with and maybe find value in those line mates. And right now, uh, McTavish is getting a good run and he's playing alongside uh, a veteran like Adam Henrik, a very honest player who's been a top six guy for most of his career, mostly a sidekick though to superstars. And Troy Terry is probably the resident sniper of note uh, in Anaheim. So they got a couple of pieces, but uh, John Gibson is showing some wear and tear in the nets. And that's an area where I think they got to focus some attention on trying to develop the next guy in there. I wonder if Anthony Stoller is going to get any kind of run, but uh, Still in development mode, and we're looking for little tidbits here and there, but uh, nothing new to report. I'm sure they'll be busy at the trade deadline, though, because they have some pieces that other teams might want to pick up. Well, over in Arizona, I think one of the things to watch right now is the goaltending situation. Uh, It's been pretty much all Carl Vamelka lately. Uh, I don't expect that to change a ton, but we are going to see Connor Ingram tonight and you know you look at his limited action since about mid-December he's only played four games and immediate thought one three and oh is the record you know you might think ah this isn't looking too good why are we talking about this guy but if you dive into the numbers a little bit deeper it's a 2.28 goals against average so under two and a half here a couple really good outings especially one against Chicago gave up just one goal on 31 shots But if you want to look at the other three games here, gave up two goals on 27 shots to Minnesota, three goals uh, apiece to both uh, Colorado and Buffalo. Uh, And so, you know, he's playing some pretty tough teams in these last four outings. And you have to wonder if he's done enough to maybe get an extra look or two here. Um, Every uh, all but one of those uh, starts came in a back-to-back situation, but his one tonight is not a back-to-back, so we're going to see a little extra Connor Ingram, and that'd be something to keep an eye on. I mean, he's 25 years old, Vimelka here, uh, 26, so they've got two young goaltenders. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a little bit more Ingram uh, on the back half here just to see if either one of these guys can uh, really, you know, put their stamp on this, this goal crease and earn the job more consistently heading into next year, or if not, um, you know, maybe earn some potential trade value, probably more likely in the offseason. I wouldn't expect either of these guys to potentially move uh, during, you know, you know, before the trade deadline in season, but maybe an offseason move for one of these two netminders. Uh, Vimelka is signed for another couple of years after this one. Ingram will be an RFA. So both are, are still controlled by uh, Arizona heading into next season in one way or another. So something to watch. Uh, maybe heading more into next season and, and how the deployment shakes out for the rest of the year. Well, and how the deployment shakes out for the Bruins and the Nets is starting to become very obvious. Linus Allmark has kind of separated himself from Jeremy Swayman and is getting the lion's share of the net mining and Swayman's getting maybe the second half of, of uh, uh, back-to-backs or lesser opponents. So that's another telltale sign that they're hitching their car to Linus Allmark and his run of success, which measure, meshes with the team's continued success. They rolled over Philadelphia after beating the Leafs in one of the games of the year on Saturday night. And uh, the formula is still consistent. 
the, the Bruins are still the cream of the crop in the NHL, losing all only one of their last seven games, continuing a season-long roll. And you just wonder if there's a blip on their schedule, will it happen uh, I, later in this regular season? Or are they just destined to continue rolling? And, uh, you know, the, the prospect of a team beating this team four out of seven in a playoff series is a real daunting one when you consider they've only lost five in the whole regular season to date. But in terms of the roster makeup right now, there's a couple of things to make make you aware of. Jacob Brusk has a hand injury, and he's put on long-term IR, AJ, and that means they're going to be looking for a second-line winger to fill out the roster here, the, maybe even a first-liner, depending on how they look at it. But Craig Smith is getting an unusual look. Uh, not playing big minutes, but when he does, he's getting a lot of looks in the top six right now. The veteran has not really produced, even though he's been given some reps with Bergeron and Marchand. So I'm wondering when it will be up to uh, the coach to maybe uh, elevate Taylor Hall in that mix. He's right now penciled in to drive a third line of offense. And Pavel Zaka is a guy to keep an eye on. Evidently, the Bruins like what they see because this past week they signed him to an extension of four years at $4.75 million. That's a raise of 1.2 million per season over his last year. And, uh, you know, it's not like he's let, let the league on fire, but he certainly fit in nicely with Boston and they're rewarding him and showing a little bit of confidence in the guy and uh, thinking that the skill set will translate to better days ahead. He's got 28 points on seven goals and 21 assists through 43 games. That translates to roughly about a 50 point pace. And the bees are, I'm sure confident that they can, they'll see that elevate. He's only 25 years old. So, uh, likely the best is yet to come for him. And they got to find some young players because let's face it, the core of Marchand and Bergeron are getting a year older. And, you know, the aforementioned Craig Smith is up there on, on the wrong side of 30 as well. So uh, they got a few guys that, that, you know, this might be winding up to sound like silly to say, but it could be a last ride for some of them and uh, they want to make it big. And so I think there's going to be an impact at the trade deadline somewhere along the line, but some things are starting to crystallize in terms of the makeup of this roster that weren't clearly evident before. Over in Buffalo, they keep doing a cap roster acrobatics as they continue to move Uka Peko Lekinen back and forth, uh, Lukinen to the minors here. Uh, on basically on days he's not going to start. He's appeared in five straight games for them, gone three and two in those outings. Uh, so has been getting a, a pretty consistent run here be- between the pipes and. Uh, you know, they're obviously going to use him, um, but when he's not around, they're moving him down so that they can keep Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie. I'm not really sure why they're worried about putting Eric Comrie on waivers. He's played one game since mid-November, and he gave up four goals on 22 shots uh, to Seattle. So it's not like he's blowing things out of the water. Uh, so I really don't understand why they keep moving him back and down. If you're going to go with Lukanen, as your nutminder, just do it uh, and don't continue to go back and forth here. Look, Buffalo has been really reliant on their offense of late. Uh, you consider they've allowed uh, three or more goals in 10 straight games. Uh, for his part, in seven games that uh, that Lukanen started over that stretch, he's five and two. So a winning record here, and that's because of the offense. Guys like Rasmus Dahlin, four points in the last four games. Alex Tuck with three goals over that stretch. Olafson with three points. So they're getting production uh, out of the lineup here. You know, a couple guys that, uh, you know, you may want to um, see more out of. Rasmus Asplund, no points over that stretch. Uh, Vinny Hinestroza, another player who went pointless in his last three games. So 
Uh, certainly some areas of improvement, but I think defensively is probably the biggest concern here, both the net mining uh, and, and the defensive side of the puck, because they're just giving up so many goals and having to bail themselves out with their offense. In Carolina, the story is mostly good news, but one curious bit of uh, player movement that need bears an explanation. I'll start with the easy one. Max Pacioretty has rejoined this lineup and scored four go- uh, three goals in four games played. Uh, he quickly found his way back to the injury ward. He's day-to-day now uh, with uh, a minor hurt. We don't know the nature of the details around the injury, but uh, it's a lower body hurt that he suffered in a game, recent game against Columbus. So in in the lineup, briefly showed well, but just can't stay healthy. That's been the nature of, of Pacioretty for the last several years in the NHL. And quite frankly, when it comes to talking about him as a DFS value play or, or a season-long pool addition that you might be seeking, I just can't put faith in a guy who can't stay healthy long-term, regardless of how, how well he scored. If he could continue that three goals in four games pace, who wouldn't want him? But you don't know when he's going to get another injury that's going to keep him up for week, weeks and weeks. And so that's a problem. But uh, uh, on the other hand, you've got Freddie Anderson returning to the fold in the Nets, and he picked up two wins with a total of two goals against last week. And that resulted in Pyotr Kochetkov, their uh, rookie phenom, being moved off to the minors because they have two veterans that are signed to big dollar deals. I mean, Anta's on on book for $2 million, but they can't throw all that money uh, in into the off the salary cap if they move into the minors. So that bit of housekeeping means they keep him on the main roster. They can move Kochetkov freely since he's on an entry-level deal. So that's why he kind of lost out because of the contract situation, despite the outstanding season that he's had. So a couple of uh, additions to the roster, and this team now is positioned to move forward. And another bit of good news is Toivo Taravainen is starting to get a little bit of traction too on the top six and trying to find his way as a regular contributor. One of the best things for him is that he's partnered back up with Sebastian Ajo, the longtime line mates together again. And uh, the beneficiary of that matchup may also be Seth Jarvis, who's found a way to stay in the top six here all season long. The scoring totals for Jarvis aren't what you might think they should be for being a sidekick for Ajo, but he has 22 points on the year and a, Maybe the defensive conscience, conscience is what they're after from him because he still has a plus six record despite the modest scoring totals. Well, one player with scoring totals below what I think his team was hoping for is Jonathan Huberdeau. A decent week last week, three helpers uh, in in uh, five games, I believe, uh, four games over the last week, three helpers there. But the concern is the overall total on the season. You're looking at 31 points in 42 games which is hard to believe I'm saying that that's bad. Um, But when you consider this is a guy that had 115 last year for Florida, and then they make the trade to bring him in. He's got another 92 season in there. Generally, um, you know, looking back here, it's been several years. The last four seasons, he's consistently been over a point per game uh, at a minimum. So obviously uh, off that pace this year, and they're going to need more production out of him. I think some of that you can point – to the power play, just a, just 11 power play points uh, so far this year, halfway to go. Uh, so you figure round that up to 22. That's That would be his lowest power play in total, again, since that last season where he didn't have a point per game. So I think those two are clearly linked. He's going to need some more power play production if he's going to get there. And obviously Calgary fans are you know going to look at the fact he had seven game-winning goals last year. He's got just one to start the season this year. So the numbers for Huberto, while still solid, 
are definitely down. Um, and if you're a season-long fantasy owner and you took them you know, high in your draft, you're going to be bummed by that aspect of it as well. Now, in terms of DFS, I think you still consider using him, although of late the shot total has also been really low. Three assists in his last four games, um, but just three shots. So that's another concern here. And so for me, I'm pretty soft on, on Huberto right now. I don't think he, you know, if I had him, in season long, I might consider trying to see if I could swindle somebody in a trade, somebody that thinks, um, you know, he'll he'll boost back up later in the year because I'm just not seeing the evidence that something's coming. A lot of times when guys are slumping, you still see the high shot totals and, and it gives you faith that they're going to break out of that slump. I'm not seeing that from Huberto. And so that's a concern long term. Um, other than that, there's not really a ton to report for Calgary in terms of injury or changes there. Um, they, they've gotten some offense from the rest of the lineup, pretty middling uh, run right now that they're on five, three and two in their last 10. And that's why they sit fifth in the Pacific, although technically and points they're tied with Edmonton. So some tiebreakers factoring in there. Um, so they're in the mix, they're in the hunt, but, uh, they're going to need to be better. And Huberto is the key there. In Chicago, I'll start with an injury note. Alex Stalock is out of the lineup dealing with concussion issues, uh, Playing uh, behind that Chicago team that gives up a lot of shots on goal probably had a lot to do with that, just wearing down and falling victim to an, a collision there too, uh, not helping him out. But Peter Mrazek now is back in, in the breach as the number one guy, and he's backed by a youngster, Jackson Stauber, who will probably get a look-see down the stretch in the second half. But the bigger news is that uh, the veteran players on this team, uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, are slowly re- being revealed to uh, consider the possibility of moving on. Taves was interviewed last week and kind of uh, not coming out and saying it directly, but he, he can read the tea leaves and knows the situation. And he responded well on the ice with four points in four games. And his longtime teammate, Patrick Kane, having a nice similar run of success with points in six of his last seven games and it coincides with the Hawks best stretch of the season winning three out of their last four a couple of the youngsters who are trying to benefit from uh, playing with the big boys Pat Philip Kurashov and Taylor Radish now being featured on the second line with the Hawks and uh, Radish in particular is coming off a very nice week of two goals and two assists to lead the squad in scoring there so uh, some injury news some veteran player news and some youth for player news in Chicago, a little bit of everything, but uh, there'll be a focal point uh, in the next few weeks for sure in terms of player movement. Well, when you look at Columbus, what's clear is that the top line seems to be gelling and clicking very well here. Johnny Gaudreau, Jack Roslavic, and Patrick Line represent the bulk of the scoring from this last week. Line with six goal or six points rather in four games. Roslavic with four assists, Johnny Gaudreau with three points over that stretch. And these guys are doing it uh, exclusively at even strength. The team doesn't have a single power play point in their last four games. That's obviously a big concern looking at those numbers on the on the year in terms of their power play. Um, let me dig it up. It is uh, currently the worst in the league right now at 14.8%. Uh, so that is an area that they're going to have to address and solve sooner rather than later. Um, you know, there's there's not a ton of obvious reasons for that. I mean, you've got Gaudreau, Line, Jenner, Adam Boquist, uh, Kirill Marchenko as your your top kind of five guys in terms of minutes, at least for the last game. 
Uh, Jack Roslavic gets on there too. So they're putting the right people on the ice. Um, they're not, you know, I, sometimes I feel like teams get too creative when they're slumping. They try and put some guy on there who's like a fourth liner and try to spark something. Um, they're not doing any of that right now, but obviously uh, that's a pretty big concern. Um, and the first line obviously doing what they can, but there's a reason that this team is not going to make the playoffs and the power play percentage is certainly a factor there. AJ in Colorado, the best news that I can give their fan base is that uh, Nathan McKinnon is on fire right now. He's on a hot streak that has seen him get 11 points in his last five games. He had eight of them in his last three starts. And uh, he's just uh, like a runaway train. Like people can picture him when you conjure up the, the best images that you have of that guy. He's playing that way right now. And, and that's going to get Colorado back in the thick of the playoff hunt very quickly if that continues. They're coming off two lopsided wins last week where we saw the best of their offense. And uh, it's covering up the fact that uh, their starting goalie, uh, Alec, uh, Georgiev, is, uh, is, had shown some signs of being a little bit tired perhaps, AJ, because the goals against that average was creeping up. He gave way, in fact, last week to his backup in the nets there. And uh, Pavel Francouz played all three games last week with decent results, I guess, uh, if you want to look at the goals against him in the total of the games. There were six, and Mitch Dick's been a shutout there. So two three-goal efforts against and one shutout in the three tilts. And uh, I, I still don't think they're they're counting on him to be the guy, but they're hoping rather that Georgiev finds his early season form. And this could be a bit of a breather that he really benefits from when he gets back in the nets. I expect that'll be as quickly as his next start. But uh, alongside McKinnon, Evan Rodriguez is a guy that you ha- have a bit of a profile on from the time that you saw him with, with the Pens in the past. He's getting first-line minutes uh, alongside McKinnon. And one guy who's managed to stay on McKinnon's line much of the season are, is Arturi Lekkonen. And uh, so that's that's the first-line unit. And uh, they're trying to build a second line around Miko Randonen and Valerie Nichushkin's back and healthy. But uh, the key to their success uh, on that unit has been driven by uh, they found a second line center in the ho- in-house, JT Comfer, who's quietly had a very nice season, AJ. 25, 26 points on the season and uh, driving that second scoring line with some good regular scoring in the last little while is a sneaky good value play in DFS uh, as long as he continues to play with the likes of those two wingers as well. And David Tavis is another guy on defense who's starting to pick it up offensively with three points in his last two games. They're going to need him to be a more prolific sidekick to Kale McCarr. Otherwise, opposing teams can, will focus on McCarr exclusively and try and shut down the offense from the back end if Devin Taves doesn't continue to show what he's shown in recent days. There's another good week for Dallas and specifically for netminder Jake Ottinger comes in uh, for the last week, three, uh, three game starts, two wins, including a shutout. The other one being an overtime loss here nine, six, five, the save percentage in those three games. In fact, Ottinger has just one regulation loss in his last nine contests with a one, five, five goals against average. So really rolling pretty well, um, but it's not all net minding for them. There's plenty of offensive production here at plus 37 in the gold differential column. They're actually third highest in the league in, in that category um, behind, uh, let's see, behind Boston, who's just ridiculously a plus 72, <laughs> and then New Jersey 
at plus 40. So really good net mining. Offensive upside is rolling there as well. If there's a concern, it's the fact that Rupe Hintz continues to be sidelined with that upper body injury. He's missed four games, including yesterday's matchup with Vegas. Uh, no clear indication or news that we've seen that would indicate when he might uh, be able to return. By all accounts, he hasn't traveled with the team. Uh, he hasn't been practicing, uh, at least as of Sunday, he didn't practice. So uh, there's certainly a lot of concerns there. Hopefully we'll get an update on him sooner rather than later, but it allows you to use some of these other guys in the lineup here who have been producing big numbers, Tyler Sagan, five points, Ben with two goals, Pavelski with five points. So plenty of production elsewhere in the lineup. They're looking good right now, but imagine how much better this Dallas team could be if they had Rupe Hens back. Exactly. There's a few veterans on the sidelines there. I mean, Lang Scog's still out of the mix for Colorado, for instance, but hopefully these guys get back when the serious shooting starts. AJ, uh, up next, we want to talk about the Detroit Red Wings and Moritz Sider starting to find a little bit of traction on that defense uh, with a plus three uh, in the past week. Four games they had, they split them. When you consider three of them were against Colorado, Toronto, Winnipeg, and they won against uh, the two latter league heavyweights it was a pretty good outcome if you drew it up in advance you thought maybe they'd be heading for three losses there uh, on the week but uh, they did manage a split and one of those games was a even a loss to Columbus which might have surprised uh, in the middle of, uh, of that minefield that they wouldn't pick up the win there so uh, good news that Moritz Sider is starting to play well Billy Huso was the goalie of record in, in the four contests AJ and faced a lot of shots because it's still a bit of a difficulty that the team has. The overall defensive concept, he gave up a total of 15 goals on the week. So that's a, uh, they'd like to get that number down and under control. Uh, otherwise, they have to outscore the opposition. And, and, uh, and you know, we, get, we talk about Raymond. We talk about Fabry scoring regularly, even Larkin. But Jake Wallman has been a real revelation from the back end because all season long we've been talking about uh, Hironic and, and uh, Sider. Wallman has quietly put together a very nice run of success with uh, five goals and and a plus 15 record remarkable for the Red Wings, a team high. So uh, they may have found something there, a 26-year-old. Uh, the He's not a, a kid. He's in his in uh, the early part of his year. He's 26 years old, and uh, it could be a case of found money as he bounced through the, the St. Louis system before he came to Detroit midway through last season and uh, may have found himself a home here. That's quite a revelation and a bit of found money for the Red Wings. Well, it was Jack Campbell week here in Edmonton as he got all three starts for them uh, this past week and picked up three wins, nine two four save percentage, goals against average exactly at two. So really a solid run of games. In fact, he started four straight for them. Uh, he's he's appeared in seven of the last eight. So clearly he has uh, put his stamp on uh, or his I guess his halt on uh, okay. being the number, you know, the number two guy here um, doing everything he can to prove that he's still uh, the top guy. And some of this was uh, due to just um, unfortunate timing. Stuart Skinner uh, had a. a I think a, a baby, he was gone for personal reasons. I think he was having a, a kid. And so he wasn't around the team for a couple of those games. And then Jack Campbell has really taken over. He's going to start again tonight going up against uh, Seattle. And that's not even the biggest news coming out of Edmonton today. Evander Kane is off long-term IR and will play tonight. 
returns from that extended absence after that wrist injury. We have him uh, showing up in a third-line role. That's where he practiced most recently. Um, But I would imagine he'll jump up into a top six once he maybe gets his legs under him a little bit more. Wouldn't be shocked to see him uh, challenge for a spot, at least on the number two power play, if not the number one. Um, I can imagine him maybe replacing Zach Hyman on that number one unit, or they could even go five uh, forwards here and he could step in for for Tyson Berry. Uh, of course, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid will be on that unit no matter what. Um, so yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of good news in Edmonton. I will say the one downside in order to have the cap space here, they had to shift Ryan Murray over to long-term IR. That's not a huge surprise. He's been out since mid-November, but Kaylor Yamamoto also on long-term IR um, was technically labeled week to week, but with that designation, he'll be out until mid-February um, before he can be activated off IR. So they they did lose a few pieces, but they get a Vander came back, Jack Campbell rolling. The offense is obviously going to continue to click. So uh, Edmonton going to make a push here for that playoff spot, getting some some pieces back. Uh, you know, we talked last week about them kind of being on the outside looking in, but three wins suddenly has them within striking distance. AJ, the Florida Panthers hope to be the Edmonton Oilers of the uh, of the Eastern Conference. They've struggled along for much of the season, but they seem to be getting their act together a little bit, winning five of their last seven games. It comes at a time when Spencer Knight, though, has found his way to the injured list, and not, not much is known about what happened to him, but landing on the IR changes the goaltending depth chart significantly when you consider this is the most expensive tandem in the league. Uh, they need both those guys in tow to give them the best shot to advance. Witness, for instance, tonight, they may be forced to play Alex Lyon in the Nets against the Leafs in a key divisional matchup. So that's uh, that's a tough road to hoe when you have to put your third stringer again in again against one of the team teams that you're trying to catch in the standings. So we'll see how that plays out or if they revert back to Sergei Bobrovsky, who hasn't had uh, a great season, both goalies uh, floating around uh, the pl- low plus threes and goals against hardly among the league be- uh, league leaders in that regard. So putting pressure on an offense that, that last year was one of the best in the league. But there's gaps in this offense that I see, AJ. Carter Verhage not having the year that he had last year is now relegated to a second-line role with Sam Bennett and Matthew Pichuk. And in fact, they've plugged in Anton Lundell, who was a bottom six type for much of the season last year uh, on this team. And uh, he's filling in on the top line because uh, Anthony Duclair has been on the IR for a lengthy time. In fact, positive news about Duclair as well in the same light as uh, Evander Kane in Edmonton. He is skating at practice. He's got a little bit longer uh, timeline on the on the sidelines projected because he's coming back from an Achilles injury, and we know that that takes a long, long time to get over. And he's been missing for much of the season to date, and uh, they hope to get him before uh, in before uh, the trade deadline. But that's kind of the timeline that they're looking at to get him in the in the fold. But the surprising development for me, AJ, is that they've got a three-headed monster offensively on the back end in terms of scoring power. Uh, certainly, we all know about Aaron Ekblad, but Gustav Forsling continued his development in that regard as an offensive piece uh, from last year and having another fine season. And Brandon Montour is holding down the second pair with a 36 points in the bank already this season. Over in Los Angeles, a bit of a quiet week for them. Just two games played uh, since we last had our show here. And in those two games, six different players picked up goals. Uh, nobody scoring more than once uh, in those contests here. 
you know, the team is relatively healthy. They're kind of rolling along. Um, you would hope uh, if you're a Kings fan that they could be doing a little bit better. Uh, just, you know, six, three and one in their last 10. And the only reason you might be a little concerned is because Edmonton seems to be uh, finding something you would hate for them to catch up to you here. And then the other kind of uh, interesting tidbit here is we've seen a lot more Phoenix Copley uh, recently and uh, Jonathan Quick's opportunities to play have been limited and underwhelming when he has played. You look at the numbers, he has just one like positive game in his last, maybe two in his last uh, 12 starts. The record was two, six and three. Those two wins though, coming against the Sharks and the Coyotes, um, not exactly standout performances. You've got multiple games in which he gave up four or more goals. In fact, two six goal allowed games uh, over that stretch. So really tough run by Jonathan Quick right now. So Phoenix Copley going to get the extended run as the starter right now. Uh, definitely looks better. He's got four wins in his last five outings. Uh, so they're they're whether it's the team around him playing better for Copley or uh, or what the deal is here, but I would expect we're not going to see a lot of Jonathan Quick the rest of the way. And honestly, I think if you're clinging to him in your season-long league, it's probably time to drop him uh, and find other options here in terms of netminders uh, because Quick just – I don't see a clear path to him getting back to being an every-night starter with how poorly he's playing and how well Copley is playing. Well, and in Minnesota, we'll start with a bit of goalie news because I know you were fretting a little bit about uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. He had a four-game stretch where he was uh, involved in uh, and the flurry of goals against, pardon the pun, but uh, but he's cut that down to two against in his last two starts. So that ship has been righted, and that's best news of all for Minnesota because they'd hate to be putting all the pressure on Gustafs and uh, their backup in, in, a, in a situation where they need him to have a run of games. They still want the their uh, perennial all-star and future Hall of Famer to uh, to have that opportunity and flurry to backstop this team. They are one of the few teams, AJ, when you look at their depth chart, they don't have any, any injuries to report. And one of the developments that I'm watching is the progress of Ryan Hartman with a regular shift. He is a guy that was one of their leading scorers last year, and uh, suddenly uh, a run of good health for him finally as he returned to the lineup. He's got 13 points in 21 games. That translates to a 50-plus point pace, which would be the second best in his career and mirroring what the breakout campaign that he had last season is the hope for for the, the Wild because he had an outstanding year, 34 goals in a 82-game schedule. They'd love to get that kind of performance out of him again to bolster this attack and make everybody think about somebody other than Philip Forsberg uh, on a regular basis going forward. But uh, some positive signs emerging in Minnesota, I'll say, because of guys that are coming off the IR or shaking off uh, concerns that uh, people had when they were watching this team recently. Well, it's all injury news in Montreal. Uh, they uh, Rough day for them on the, the injury news front Yoel Armia upper body injury goes on injured reserve uh, he had played in their last game Jake Evans who had lit, missed their last game or two he's now on IR with a lower body injury and then Slavkovsky also ends up on IR with a lower body injury so multiple guys landing on IR today they shifted Sean Monahan to long-term IR which doesn't actually change his return date. Um, you assume they use retroactive designation there. He could still return 
whenever he's ready, but you don't move a guy to long-term IR if he's going to play uh, tonight or tomorrow, something like that. Jonathan Duran is questionable for tonight uh, with an undisclosed injury. Uh, they uh, He was held out of the morning skate. So uh, just a ton of rough injury news for them. There is one upside for uh, for them. The Mike Matheson is going to come back and play tonight. I would imagine he'll be top pairing, probably number one power play unit for him. But with all these guys uh, getting hurt, you're going to see um, some probably pretty weird line combinations here. Right now, we've got Caulfield, Suzuki, and Druin penciled in as the top line. That could obviously change. And if it does, based on the recalls they made, they'll have to go with seven defensemen tonight, which is never good in terms of offensive production. You've got Mike Hoffman, who's been a healthy scratch periodically, on the second line with Kirby Doc and Josh Anderson, Dadnov, Dvorak, and you'll uh, uh, – Yolanin, I probably messed that up, Paul. I'll let you correct me. No, you're good. You're good. That's good um, enough. <laughs> Wylonen, I, I would call it. Wylonen, gotcha. Um, making up the, the third combination here. So um, really a, a rough run of injuries for them. That's not going to help. Uh, Jake Allen, I think, is still uh, dealing with an upper body injury. They didn't offer a lot of details on that one. So I, um, questionable tonight, Montembeau is going to get the start either way, whether or not Allen – came back up remains to be seen. So a lot of injury news. And I think what that means is in terms of DFS, probably we're stacking against Montreal right now or, uh, you know, betting, trying to find value in ways to capitalize on the Canadians because there's so many forwards out of the lineup. They're going to struggle to score goals. I think that's going to lead to some lopsided matchups. AJ in New Jersey, it's a goaltending battle that I, that hasn't turned out the way I thought that it would. Uh, Vitek Vanasek has managed to, managed to continue to get the lion's share of the goaltending assignments even since Mackenzie Blackwood returned to active duty here. Uh, I, I would have rated them no worse than even maybe giving Mackenzie Blackwood a bit of a, an edge when the season started. But Vanacek has, has emerged as their number one starter, and he's done it in a period where they've reeled off five straight wins as a club, and he's been in the nets for four of them. So really cementing his status there. If you're looking for a goalie uh, at your league's trade deadlines, Vanasek would be a go-to option for me since he's playing on one of the better teams in the in the Eastern Conference and uh, seems to be getting a lot more activity than the number two guy. We're, uh, we're seeing more more of an even split between uh, a lot of tandems around the league. This is not one of them, however. And uh, in other news around this team, Igor Sharangovich is a guy who filled the net last year with great regularity, and he's going to get a chance to uh, continue that uh, if he stays on the top line here. He picked up a couple of uh, four assists in three games played last, last week and uh, uh, on pace for about a 40-point season again, which is about what he delivered last year with 46 so uh, hoping to stay in a top six role, but uh, as long as he's getting a run with Fisher and Brad, he's going to get some scoring opportunities as well. And don't forget, this is a guy can, who can put the puck in the net with some regularity if he gets a good spot. But Andre Palat is is uh, holding down the second line left wing spot alongside Thomas Tatarlets. A couple of veterans around Jack Hughes, a good situation there to solidify a, a good looking top six and. Uh, uh, they will count on that group to continue a scoring pace that has seen the team reel off an average of five goals again, uh, five goals for uh, almost during that recent five game scoring streak. So the net mining seems to have sorted itself out. The offense is in year. Once again, the devils are a tough out. Well, one offense that seems to have hit a little bit of a hiccup here is the Nashville predators. Uh, we talked highly about a couple of these guys last week. 
little more subdued four-game stretch for them. Philip Forsberg, two goals. Ryan Johansson, a goal and an assist. They did get Yuso Parsinian back, uh, rolling here offensively. Five points in the last four games. Roman Yossi with a, a, a three-pack of points here. But one guy that continues to struggle is Nino Niederreiter. He had just uh, one goal in the last four games. And, in fact, in his last seven games, just two points over that stretch. So pretty pedestrian numbers. Now, what I talked about earlier about looking at the shot totals when a guy's not really scoring, like I said, one goal in seven games, um, but a ton of shots over that stretch. He's got 27 shots in those seven games, so just under four a night. So I'd be a little less concerned about keeping Nina Ryder in my lineup than I would about another player who's maybe not shooting the puck so much. So some kind of good news, bad news on him. A little bit of a pedestrian week for UC Saros as well. One and two was the record. Nine two five the save percentage. So pretty decent, which kind of goes back to the point I was making about the offense being a little bit pedestrian. You'd expect if UC Saros had a nine two five save percentage, you'd have more than just a one win in three games. Well, how about the New York Islanders who have managed a total of 10 goals in their last six games? They've only won one of them. No surprise there. That was a narrow victory over Montreal, a 2-1 to score last week. But they have been uh, giving up three and four goals a night. So that spells uh, five, five out of six losses in their last two weeks. Not good. And when you look at the lack of scoring, uh, I focus on a couple of veterans who are leaving me wanting more. Uh, Anthony Bovely, only 18 points. Zach Parise, only 19 points. These are guys that have been top six players for this team in the past. Even Josh Bailey, one of the better uh, passing puck-moving wingers, has 12 assists and only six goals on the season to date. That's three veteran players that should be scoring at maybe uh, 50% higher rate than they are uh, season to date. And that spells trouble for, for this team which doesn't put, produce a lot of offense at the best of times. So really puts pressure on the two centers that we've talked about for much of the season as, uh, where they've provided much of the offense. Of course, that's Barzal and Nelson. But they got to get some uh, efforts out of their wingers. They've even brought up Simon Holstrom uh, to, uh, to a top six role to see what he can deliver and kind of shake things up. But right now they're searching for answers on the island, and uh, that puts a lot of pressure on their defense. Well, things in New York for the Rangers aren't uh, going great either. You look at their offensive numbers last week. Um, their top two leading scorers for the last four games, Keandre Miller and Adam Fox, both with five points. And while that's certainly a good thing, the problem is you've got uh, Vincent Trocek with one assist in four games. Jimmy Vesey, fresh off that contract ascension, one assist as well over that stretch. Alexis Lafreniere, no points in his last four games. So that's certainly a big concern. But there could be some reinforcements on the way. They uh, they sent down uh, Ryan Carpenter to the AHL today, which could clear the way for Chris Kreider to return to action. He's missed uh, their last three games, but that move would seem to indicate that Kreider will be back and available in their next contest. That would allow them to take Lafreniere off that top line role, which clearly hasn't worked out. They can put Kreider back with Sabinajad, maybe even put Panarin on that top line, shuffle things up a little bit, and see if they can't uh, get some of these underproducing guys to get moving forward. And in Ottawa, AJ, you look at the leading scorers for the Senators, and certainly there's some guys that have produced points. But if you look at the next column over, there's a lot of ugliness in the plus-minus that just tells the tale. Look at Brady Tuchuk, minus 11. Tim Stutzley, minus 9. Alex Brinkett, minus 16. 
Drake Batherson with a club worst minus 29. That's one of the worst marks in the league overall. In fact, there you have to go nine or ten players deep before you find a guy with a plus uh, record, and that's Tyler Mott, and he's not even in the top six scorers for this club. So that kind of tells you in a, in a nutshell what's gone, on, gone wrong here this season. They've got some guys that can score, and they've got some highlight reel types on the roster, but they can't keep the puck out of their own net, and they're wearing out a tandem that, in uh, Anton Forsberg and Cam Talbot that have taken turns really looking ragged in the last couple of weeks. And that's a lot of trouble for the Ottawa Senators. They're trying to stem the flow by continuing to use Thomas Shabbat 27, 28 minutes a night. Jake Sanderson uh, getting another look. Uh, they have a lot of hope for this guy. He missed, he's missed much of the season uh, with injury issues, but uh, is back in the fold now and uh, is, is trying to find his way. But he's a youngster. AJ, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy to kind of be the next best offensive option on a team that's looking for answers on both sides of the puck from the back line. Last week when we were kind of breaking down each uh, division and, and saying where kind of teams were, I think we both pretty much wrote off the Philadelphia Flyers. And while, while I stand by that, I think they're just too far behind too late. You look at the Metro right now, they actually have the second best record over their last 10 games of any team in the Metro at 7-3-0. and oh, That's just one overtime uh, loss behind New Jersey, who went 7-2-1 and one in their last uh, 10 games. So Philadelphia could be looking a little bit better. Uh, offensively, you've got Scott Lawton with five points, Travis Konechny with three goals uh, over their last three games this past week. Kevin Hayes pretty much uh, has quieted down one assist in his last three games. You know, we talked about the benching and when he was, you know, benching him when he was rolling offensively. Now suddenly he's in a five-game goal drought, uh, just two assists over that stretch. Uh, the shot totals are pretty, uh, pretty solid here, so I'm not really – I wouldn't be too concerned about that if you've got him in season-long fantasy. But obviously something about that switch – mindset to maybe playing more defensive uh, I think isn't working well for him on the offensive side of the puck in terms of the net mining Carter Hart two and one was the record in the last three games three two uh, three two six was the goals against average so a little high um, but like I said they are the best uh, second best record wise in their last 10 of any team in the metro and could be trying to make a push but I still think it's too little too late all right. Well, we've reached that point in the program where we're going to take a bit of a breather and we'll come back to you with some more talk of the remaining teams we haven't covered, particularly our two favorite clubs where there's always something special going on. And we have lots more insight about those teams in particular. So we'll uh, have, have you uh, pause for some airtime from our sponsors. We'll be back with some news and notes from around the league. You're listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. back and uh, let's get a reminder from AJ about how you can get in touch with us. I'm sure more and more people that are listening want some questions answered as they approach trade deadlines in their pools and the NHL trade deadline will soon be upon us. So AJ, what what say you about getting us connected with our listeners? Yeah, of course, the best way to interact with us, whether uh, you have questions about your hockey leagues, your team in general, or to, uh, to ask about other sports is to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at AJScholes24. You can follow Paul, the Staffsman, at Staffsman22. Um, if you're interested, we are always tweeting out our appearances on DraftKings, so you can check out that show and see both of us over there. Uh, pretty much every day, one or both of us will be on. And then you can also, uh, if you go to my Twitter account, when we're doing the show on usually on Tuesdays around 3 p.m. Eastern time, 
uh, I tweet out the live link uh, to watch us online. If you want to see our beautiful faces, uh, you can do so there. So again, that's at AJ Scholes24, A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z24 to follow me. And Paul is at Statsman22. Well, AJ, I can tell you now, I should have told you this off the air, but I'll have have some fun with this because you were supposed to be on the show today with the DraftKings hit, but they messed up on the email that they sent out and they misspelled your your name. So that's why you didn't get the call. But we were waiting for you and then then they realized, oh, the producer realized I blew his name on the email. So they didn't hear your dulcet tones, but I, I'm I did my best to represent both of us, pal. The, the funny I know, part I, about that, Paul, though, to to go off the off the rails here a little bit, is my email, and I don't care if other people hear this, is AJ at rotowire.com. It's not a complicated email <laughs> to mess up. So uh, hopefully I don't get a flood of questions uh, from from people on that one. But hey, if you have hockey questions, send them in, and, and maybe I'll uh, maybe we'll, Paul and I'll talk about them on a on a show or something. But uh, yeah, I, that's a hard email to mess up. Exactly. So it's just the producer admitted he was having a rough day, and that just underscores how difficult it must have been for him. But uh, just thought you should know you were missed on the morning show, <laughs> and uh, there was far too much talk about the Maple Leafs. I tried to cut it out, but. Uh, <laughs> You would have been there. You would have squelched, I'm sure. Okay. Look, at we're up next for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've won three of their last five, so you're probably feeling a little bit better after they're coming off a stretch where they lost six in a row. So things are looking up a little bit, aren't they, for the Pens? I don't know quite about that, but um, they uh, have maybe some reinforcements coming. Uh, they won't get Jan Ruta or Chris Letang back tomorrow against Ottawa. Um, but Jeff Petrie, Ryan Pooling, Josh Archibald, and Tristan Jari all traveling with the team. I don't know if we'll see any of those guys back, um, but obviously sooner rather than later, especially Latang. He's back with the team after the, the passing of his father, um, but he is still dealing with uh, a lower body injury that uh, was hampering him before he had to step away from the team for a little bit. So, um, Things are seemingly improving. I think the biggest hiccup here is they need Tristan Jari back. Um, the, the net mining has been a little bit subpar from Casey DeSmith and Dustin Tokarski, uh, which I put on DeSmith. I mean, Tokarski is the, the number three goalie for a reason. Um, but they need Tristan Jari back uh, probably as much, if not maybe slightly more, than they need Chris Letang back. Uh, you've got guys like Chad Ruedel, uh, and Brian Dumoulin playing huge minutes that, that they really shouldn't be right now. And AJ, I'll start us off with some thoughts about Seattle and to get us back in order, uh, I'll have you finish that off. But uh, they came off a seven-game win streak recently. And of course, the first game back, that dreaded first game back after a long home, uh, long road trip, they lost against Tampa. But a lot of teams are losing against Tampa most recently. So you can't really say too much negative about what's happening with Seattle uh, over the last couple of weeks, can you? No, you really can. I mean, this team has been, uh, you know, pretty much phenomenal. Uh, It's why they're sitting in second right now, eight and two, the record in their last 10 games. You mentioned the seven game win streak. They've got two games in hand uh, on Vegas. So easily could, uh, you know, they win both those games and they would be sitting on top of the Pacific. So, uh, I do think it, it says something about the, the Pacific division, the fact that the top two teams in that uh, division have been added in the last handful of years here. So um, expansion clearly benefiting uh, those clubs uh, along the way. But in terms of the on-ice uh, 
you know, numbers for Seattle. You've got Matty Beniers, four points, Vince Dunn, Oliver Bjorkstan, Yanni Gord, all with four points in those last four games. Jared McCann finding his offensive game, three goals over that stretch. And then you're getting, you know, Eli Tolvanen, two goals. Uh, he's been kind of a long sought out, you know, prospect. Uh, seemed like with Nashville, like he'd have flashes where you thought he'd be really good. You look at 2020, 21, 22 points in 40 games, pretty solid. Then comes back the next year, has just one more point at 23 points, but does so in 75 games. So nearly double the games for one more point. You can see why he was left available or uh, or why he ended up in Seattle. Uh, so hopefully kind of a resurgence there for him. And, and we'll see. We'll see what this team can do long term. We've talked at length about Martin Jones having a you know, career resurgence right now. Um, numbers were maybe a little bit down in his last two games. 907 was the save percentage, which doesn't sound terrible. But when you factor in that one of those two games was a shutout, <laughs> that's a, a very good game and a very bad game uh, on his on his record there. But he still got wins in both. So Marty Jones, for his part, uh, hasn't had a regulation loss since December 6th. 9-0-1 in 12 outings um, with some pretty good numbers. So they're getting good goaltending, good offensive production, and guys producing from the blue line as well, as specifically Vince Dunn has, has had a really good stretch there for them. Uh, Adam Larson's been solid off, offensively and defensively, a plus eight, his goal differential in their last four games, or his uh, plus minus in the last four games. So looking pretty solid uh, all around the Seattle Kraken. The only good thing you can say about San Jose, AJ, is their forward uh, depth is, is extremely healthy. Luke Kuhn and the only one on the IR. But in terms of what's happening on the ice, they're continuing to lose far too many games. They've lost five of their last six, including three uh, last week, and a couple of them by lopsided scores along the way. doesn't help matters either for team confidence. They're giving up a lot of goals. And really, I've pointed this out before, AJ, but... Uh, there's some major surgery required. I mean, Bruce Boudreau talked about that. I mean, uh, not Bruce Boudreau, his his uh, GM Rutherford in Vancouver. We'll get to that team shortly. But they got another team in that that division that really uh, they've got some issues when you consider they've got eleven million five uh, tied up in Eric Carlson. I know he's the highest scoring defenseman in the league and having a fantastic year, but he's wallowing in in. Uh, San Jose, they're not going anywhere, AJ. So you wonder if they they would make make the big deal and eat half his salary just to get that money off the books because otherwise behind him they got similar issues with Mark Edward Vlasic, an untradeable contract in my opinion, $7 million for this year and the next three. And then Mario Ferraro, it goes down to $3.25 million. That's a reasonable contract, I guess, for him. But then you pair the, uh, the other contracts with some of the big money up front. Logan Couture, who would maybe be... Uh, first line center on only a third of the teams in the NHL. He's getting paid eight million a year. And Thomas Hurdle, maybe the the guy who's full value for his big money, eight point one three seven. So you can see they got a lot of money tied up in in a very few players, and they got very little to show for it because they're press, uh, pressed into using uh, a couple of second stringers in the nets, for instance. When you consider their goalie depth, James Reimer might be the best of the lot there, and he's been. Uh, no better than the maybe the twentieth goalie in the league for the for his whole career. So you can see where the trouble is just multiplying in San Jose, and 
Uh, they've got some other teams that are in the upper tier of this division that they have no hope of contending with until they rectify the, the, surgery, uh, the surgery that needs to take place uh, on the rest of this roster. Well, the name of the game in St. Louis right now is just to hold on as long as humanly possible and try and stay in it. They continue to be without, uh, in terms of forwards, Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, Logan Brown, all sideline. Defensively, you know, some of these are more depth pieces, but it's really going to stretch. You've got Torrey Krug, Robert Bertuzzo, Scott Peruvinich, Marco Scandella, all sidelined, just a lengthy list of IR guys here. And so it's just a matter of can they still be in a playoff position when they get specifically O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and Krug back? Um, you know, that's that's going to be the key. Are they going to get Krug back is a good question. Long-term IR, uh, mid-February at best, no kind of real. is six weeks before evaluation again, so that doesn't mean he's automatically going to be back. Uh, it was four weeks for Tarasenko. Now recent reports have him slightly ahead of schedule. Uh, and then O'Reilly uh, was most recent update for him still on crutches, which uh, means, you know, we're looking long-term, uh, you know, sit, at least six weeks for him as well. I think what's concerning for all those guys is none of their injury timelines were this guy will be out for six weeks. And then it was like, okay, now he'll be back. It was like, be reevaluated in six weeks will be, you know, at least four weeks, something like that. So I would expect most of these injuries to drag on, which is going to complicate what they can do at the trade deadline. Where are they sitting? Are they getting these guys back? How would you fit them back in the lineup? Plus uh, any salary cap of anybody you might acquire. Um, so the blue is in a really tough spot right now. And Tampa is not in a really tough spot, AJ, at least not in the regular season. Uh, of course, they face the, daunt- face the daunting uh, gauntlet in the playoffs from their division, having to deal with the likes of the Maple Leafs and the Bruins eventually. But right now, uh, look at Vasilevsky. The last five games, he's played them all. And here's a telltale sign. He started with a safe percentage of 842 in the first game. Then it went up to 875, then 900, then 92%, then 95.7%. All increasing. So what does that tell you? This guy likes a workload. And and, uh, we knew that before. He's one of the busier guys, again, in the NHL. And uh, this five-game streak of success, uh, where he improves on the prior effort every time out, just is a telltale sign of what you get from him when you lean on him. And that's that's something they're going to do once again with this run in the post uh, in the regular season. And uh, it's in front of him. All the stars are, are shining. Kucherov scoring better than a point per game. And the point and Stamkos holding down the top two roles. But guess what? Brandon Hagel's having a breakout campaign. I still don't know how they pried him out of Chicago, AJ. But uh, that was a master stroke by their general manager. And uh, the rest of the guys, Torelli's back and in the fold and has found his traction after missing half the season. So the top six is rock solid. Then they've got one of the most physical third lines in play they've shuffled things around there where they put Patrick Maroon in the third line with Nick Paul and Russ Colton and the fourth line has a bit of a different look with Pierre Edward Belmar Corey Perry and Vlad Nemestikov another guy who was fit in very nicely in Tampa's offense so uh, they're probably going to get another piece to bolster that group but it's a pretty deep and uh, very very veteran savvy uh, 12 pack that they offer right now and uh they're getting uh, Zach Lagosian has has fit in very nicely once again here as a defensive defenseman a compliment to 
Victor Hedman, and that affords them to put Mikhail Sergachev on a second pairing. I think they want to see a little bit of an improvement in the depth there because they're without Nick Perbix is uh, backlisted as day to day after a pretty nice week last week. Brent Seabrook, of course, doesn't factor in. He's listed on the roster. Uh, but that was a contract grab to give them some LTR or swing, uh, swing up, swinging room. And then they got to upgrade on the likes of Ian Cole, Eric Cernak, and Cal Foot a little bit. I think uh, they'd like to see a little bit more offense from that mix, though. Uh, they provide a lot of defensive bite. Maybe that's all they need and they want. But I'd like to see them up, upgrade their defense in a little bit in terms of the offensive part of the game. I'll give you a quick rundown on Toronto in terms of the injury concerns here, Paul, and then I'll kick it back to you for how the rest of the team looks here. Um, Biggest news probably would be Nick Robinson, who's been out for a a while, did finally undergo a shoulder surgery. His season is over. They're looking at a six-month recovery timeline, so should hopefully be ready for next year. TJ Brody continues to skate, looking like he might be back sometime soon. Victor Mete, not going to be back anytime soon, although if you would even get into a lineup, is questionable at this point. And then short term, looks like uh, Pontus Holmberg and uh, Rasmus Sandin both going to still be out tonight as they're trying to work through uh, some illness issues there. Um, but otherwise, a full complement of players here for the Leafs. Paul, what does it look like on the ice right now? Well, you know what? They solved one major problem with the goalie tandem they got in place. They've got much, great mileage out of Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. Murray is starting to separate himself a little bit, though. They're kind of going with him every two games out of every three, and it looks like he's going to be the number one guy down the stretch. So that uh, that has been revealed most recently. You mentioned the illnesses that have impacted a couple of players, but it's not the concern that it would have been a couple of years ago because they've got a lot of other options to turn to, a witness on defense. Jordy Ben and Connor Timmons are going to be the third pairing uh, heading into tonight's game because Giordano and Hall have formed a really nice partnership. And uh, Morgan Riley's still find, trying to find his offensive game a little bit, partnered with Timothy Lilligren, who's taken great strides this season. So they've got a uh, six pack of experienced hands. Connor Timmons, the least experienced of the bunch, but he had a bit of an off night recently, but rebounded nicely in his next game. So I I have uh, no concerns about the six-pack that they'll ice tonight. And you're going to get Sandine and Brody back healthy, and that'll cause uh, a couple of uh, other moves that we'll be talking about in a week or two when they return to see how that lineup looks on the back end. On the forward lines, I'm still waiting to see the best of Austin Matthews, AJ. It might sound surprising to some of our listeners, but he has yet to go on one of those goal-scoring tears that that have punctuated uh, his career, I'll say. I mean, he's still on pace for a 40-goal season, but that's a 20-goal drop from what he did last year, for crying out loud. So I'm expecting more. And uh, in, in his uh, slowdown, John Tavares has picked things up and is having arguably the second best uh, year that he's uh, since he's been in Toronto with uh, a resurgence, a point-per-game pace. A lot of that has to do with the fact, though, that he's getting Mitch Marner to play with on a regular basis. And Callie Arncroft has kind of filled the answer in terms of who's going to be that sixth forward that plays top six minutes here, and Arncroft's doing that with some degree of success and defensive responsibility. So all in all, uh, things are okay, despite a couple of injury concerns that we have on the roster and of course sad to hear about Nick Robertson's season being over with the uh, surgery that is uh, he's facing now that'll put him out of the rest of the season here and that's too bad for the youngster who has yet to really find his way after being dropped in the first round by the Leafs so uh, that takes us over to the next club and of course we touched on 
on them off the top of the show. That's the Vancouver Canucks. So, uh, AJ, we can knock it around together a little bit. They're, they're, they're losing more than they're winning. They've lost seven of their last nine games played. And really, it's a club that's in a situation like Vancouver, for uh, like uh, San Jose that I mentioned earlier, where uh, they they are talking about some major surgery on the roster. And it's in a way, it's a bit of a bad look when you consider that they paid a lot of money to J.T. Miller for the one good season that he had since he joined this club. And Bor Horvat, Bor Horvat is doing the same thing this year, but he's got got a longer tenure with Vancouver and not being rewarded. That just kind of smells bad to me. And I wonder what you think about that point before you go and take us into the next team that we'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, an in, some interesting choices there for, for them uh, in terms of, you know, what they've done contractually with guys. You know, some of it, some of it has to be a two-way street, obviously. You know, if, uh, you know, Horvat, uh, you know, JT Miller willing to take a deal that was agreeable to them, maybe Bo Horvat's not. Um, you know, you consider where they were in terms of contract. They were pretty close, so you would imagine, you know, their product, their number would be pretty close here as well. But yeah, it's definitely uh, things not looking great. I think Horvat might even be hitting this kind of weird spot where next season will be they'll be able to finally sign Elias Pettersson potentially to a longer term deal. Um, and so maybe they're trying to save money for that as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. I think the number one thing they could do for themselves would be get Oliver Ekman Larson off the, the list here um, and, and get him off their, their cap hit here. They just have so many other issues that they need to, to deal with first. In terms of the Vegas Golden Knights, it's been um, – uh, just an injury concern after injury concern here. You've got Blue Line, they're already without uh, Zach Whitecloud, Shea Theodore, both banged up, and then Alec Martinez picks up an injury uh, last night. On the forward complement, you're without Brett Howden, Mark Stone, and then William Carrier picks up an injury, uh, I believe that was on Saturday. So really just a, a growing and compiling list of injuries for them, which is forcing guys to play, you know, bigger roles that maybe they're not really used to. Right now, we've got Paul Cotter on the top line alongside Eichel uh, and Nicholas Nicholas Waugh on the top line as well. Uh, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Jonathan Marchesault making up the second line. Again, on the on the blue line, um, just some no name guys uh, like Ben Hutton getting uh, plenty of minutes here. So they're really stretched pretty thin this team and they're going to need to get healthy. Hopefully it's not a long-term issue for Martinez or carrier um, because that's going to create some significant problems for this club. And I know AJ, you're always keeping an eye on the Washington Capitals who are in a real dog fight with your Penguins. Right now the standings show Washington with a four point lead, but the Pens have three games in hand. Those are the teams that are holding down the last two wild card spots. And you can't even forget about the Islanders who are right there with 50 points. So they have played two more games than Pitts. So a three team race for those two spots, all in the, in the, that uh, congested metropolitan division. 
But the Caps have uh, been dealing with some good news on the injury front. They got Tom Wilson back in the fold, AJ, and right now he's penciled in for third line minutes. They've rejuggled the lineup uh, considerably. Jack and Nicholas Backstrom was another guy who was much, much of the season. He is centering that third line. You, I don't expect you'll see both of them there for much longer before they move up into a top six role. The top six minutes at center being held on to by Dylan Strome. He's probably going to be the big loser here and might even see him go down to third line minutes for the first time all season long. He's had a fine season offensively, but they trust uh, the veterans whose nets up and Backstrom to drive the two lines more than the youngster Strom. Uh, good for their future, though, uh, that they've got a guy who will take the bit when one of those other guys gives way eventually. He's shown enough to do that. And also TJ Oshie has got some good traction going now that he's back and healthy as well. Back in his usual top six role. I can see Tom Connor Sheary losing a top line role here too, AJ to Wilson, who will certainly play opposite Alex Ovechkin, where he had the most success that he's enjoyed in his time in, in Washington and uh, uh, protecting the top uh, top line players that he plays with on a regular basis is a key part of his role. In the Nets, they, they had a great run by Charles Charlie Lindgren, who he's given away to Darcy Kemper once again. So their tandem is is intact, and uh, that bodes well for them as well offensively. So things are on the on the up and up, and looking uh, high higher up in the standings is is certainly the, the plan for Washington. They're going to give it their best shot with a healthier roster than it's been all season long. Well, kind of a weird storyline coming out of Winnipeg. Uh, rumors circling about Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, joining up with Montreal. And now, he, of course, is from Quebec. Um, so any anybody from that area usually gets linked to, you know, a homecoming with the Habs here. I know Chris Letang has been repeatedly linked to, you know, ending his career in Montreal. The guy's been a Penguin for 20-some years. <laughs> Not quite. But, like, you get what I mean. Like, anybody from Montreal gets linked there. The weird part is you've got Winnipeg, uh, first in the central division, you know, like why would a team that's sitting first? Yes. You know, Dubois, his contract is up at the end of the year, but they've got him locked down as an RFA. So it's not like they have to get rid of him. Um, I don't really get why that's coming up right now. It's kind of a confusing situation for me overall. Um, you know, and then the other thing at the start of the season, you had Blake Wheeler getting stripped of the captaincy, we questioned how that was going to affect his game. Um, so far, things have been uh, pretty pretty solid for him. You've got 30 points in 35 games. That's about where he you know hits on in a normal year, just below a point per game pace. I would imagine with 11 goals already at this point in the season, he should get back over 20. A mark he's missed the last two years, but you have to give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt considering those were both COVID shortened years. So. I think we're seeing kind of vintage Blake Wheeler. So surprising uh, kind of development. Obviously, he's taken that that removal of the captainship in stride here and really uh, producing for this team. There was some concern this morning that Nikolai Ehlers might not be available. He missed the, the game day skate for a maintenance day. Uh, seems like he'll be ready to go. He's riding a five-game point streak since returning from a long-term injury concern. So maybe they're just kind of managing those minutes there, but he continues to produce since coming back. 
AJ, that takes us through the 32 teams for another week. And most of the news has been good news in terms of players coming off the IR. So that's part of the first wave of player movement that we're going to be talking about more and more in the next little while that where teams are actually fortifying themselves. So uh, a bit of a trend that we hope continues as uh, the strong teams will try to separate themselves from the weaker ones by fortifying themselves for that playoff run. And I guess there's going to be a run at the other end of the standings for tanking for Connor Bedard. I wonder how, how aggressive that's going to be in some other teams' minds. But we saw that guy turn a lot of heads, and I'm sure there's plenty of teams that are whose general managers are monkeying around with potential lineups next year if they can get that kid in the fold. That's a signature player. So without further ado, though, let's turn our attention to the games that are played tonight, AJ, with a look at the sports book. I'll give you first dibs and take a look at the Panthers' visit to Toronto. The Leafs are a favorite on the money line, heavy favorite, minus 180 when you look at it, and Florida plus 155. Do either of those numbers attract you, or are you looking somewhere else for value in this game? Yeah, I think um, I think overall for me, I'm going to stay away from a result in this one. I know Toronto's heavily favored, so taking them uh, seems not enough value. You look at the puck line, not exactly. Um, you know, the Panthers could shock you; like they'll randomly get a good Bobrovsky game or something. So I, I'm going to stay away from that. I do think I like. Um, probably the under in this one, if I'm being totally honest, it's up all the way up at six and a half. I know the Leafs have a, a huge offense, um, but again, if Bobrovsky has a good game, the Leafs have been getting really sign, solid net mining. I'm not normally an under guy. I usually just stick with overs a lot of the time, but I think this could be one opportunity for the under. Um, I'll take us through our next matchup. We've got Winnipeg. The huge favorites, in fact, I think they're probably the biggest favorites on the night. That's correct. Minus 250 on the money line going up against Montreal. Uh, the overs, uh, the total rather, sits at six. You've got the puck line. Minus a goal and a half for the Jets to win. It comes in at just even money. Paul, would you go all the way to maybe two, minus two and a half here? Would you go that far on Winnipeg? You get a lot better value, minus two and a half goals at plus 195. I I don't think I want to do that. I'd rather go for the uh, total goals maybe and say Montreal will find a way to get a couple of goals past past Hellebuck or whoever's in net for for Winnipeg. I may they maybe not even will won't even play him. It says he's expected, but I haven't seen a confirmation. Sam Maltenbow, not the answer in Montreal's net. I think Winnipeg could have a field day there. Might they might get to the six by themselves. So I'm looking for the alternate line here, AJ, hoping for a better payoff there as the as the go to bet for me. Up next, we have a couple of teams that where the, you can trust their offenses most nights, Minnesota and Washington. So maybe the, the lean should be looking at, again, the alternate line on the over, which is set at six. But otherwise, the homestanding caps are a minus 245. That's long odds for a, a game that I should I think should be a lot closer. That, in a nutshell, is, is a telltale sign for me that, that uh, maybe they've got to look elsewhere for value here, AJ. What do you find? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, you get the the wild plus 205 on the, the puck line. That's an intriguing option. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think the over is probably where I would land as well here. Seeing at six, minus 110 value, pretty good spot there. Uh, the last of our first set pa- set of games, Paul, is uh, probably the snoozer of the night that <laughs> few people outside of the fans of these teams are going to watch. You've got the Flyers. 
Minus 205 favorites against the Anaheim Ducks. Total sits at six. Puck line value on the Flyers is plus 120 to give up a goal and a half. Where do you go on this one, Paul? Could you possibly see a Ducks upset gets you plus 175 on the money line? I think that might be the most intriguing because, you know, Philadelphia for a while, they were playing some impressive hockey and putting up some good results, but then they came crashing to earth with a 6 nothing shellacking at the hands of Boston recently where reality may have set in. And, and I just don't like the messaging from John Tortorella publicly. I don't know what it's like behind closed doors in, in a season where that's going nowhere for the Flyers right now and uh, just wonder about where the motivation's coming from for them. But I feel the same way about Anaheim, so I, I can't trust either of these teams explicitly. I, but I, I didn't like the way Flyers looked in their last game. So I might take a, uh, a look at the Ducks and say, let's take them on the money line and hope that they win the game. That's a healthy payout of plus 175. We turn our attention to later starts. The 8 o'clock tilt features expansion Cousins Columbus visiting Nashville. The Nashville Predators, a team that looks much more solid to me, and at home, they're a favorite on the puck line at plus 115. That should be an easy bet to AJ, but I think uh, I'd like to challenge you to find more value elsewhere, unless that's where you land as well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as sold on that. Um, you know, Columbus does have some, some players that can score, so I'd be a little leery about that one. Honestly, I would go player prop in this game just to kind of get away from that. You can get Patrick Line A plus 150 to score a goal, Johnny Gaudreau, plus 225. If you're looking on the other side, uh, Ryan Johansson comes in at plus 260 to score a goal. So there's definitely uh, some some value to be had there. Roslavic, minus 125 to pick up an uh, just a point. Could be a goal or an assist. I think that's a good spot as well. So um, I would go maybe uh, player props uh, for that one personally. The next game we'll talk about should be relatively one-sided. Uh, in terms of recent run of form, we've got the Sabres against the Blackhawks. Buffalo minus 190 on, on the money line. Not as heavy favorites as I think they might have been. Total sits at six and a half. And then Buffalo on the puck line plus 135. Paul, what's the play in this one? Maybe the total with that big Sabres offense? I'm going to surprise you, AJ. I'm going to show a little more confidence in the Chicago Blackhawks. As I mentioned when I did my thumbnail early in the show, I think they're having their best stretch of the season, and it comes at a time where the Sabres are having their worst. And so those factors will meet tonight, and I, I'm going to take Chicago at home on the money line, plus 160 to win this game outright and uh, get that healthy payout. I just think the Sabres aren't playing very well defensively right now. Certainly you want to trust their top six offense to, to have a field day against a team that's be, been one of the uh, sieves of the league in terms of giving up goals against. But like I said, Chicago's playing some of their best hockey of the year. Uh, give it one more game tonight. And uh, again, looking at the Buffalo goaltending, they're going to lean on Craig Anderson. He's in his early 40s, AJ, and I don't think he's, he's preparing for a, a late season run here. I think maybe... Uh, the wear and tear of a long season has gotten to the to the Sabres goalie a little bit, and maybe that accounts for some of the leaky goals against that uh, have been giving up. Uh, they've been giving up over there. The next game we got is nine o'clock starts. A pair of nine o'clock starts to wind up the schedule, and this might be the, com- the most compelling matchup on the schedule. AJ Seattle Kraken, the surprise of their division, uh, coming off that seven game win streak, they had a snap by coming home against Tampa. They get a chance against another one of the, the league's marquee clubs with Edmonton. Uh, being the host to Seattle tonight as they hit the road one more time. Maybe they put an eighth game together in that uh, current road streak. 
they're uh, on the money line. They're a plus one ninety five, the one fifty five. The visitors Oilers minus one eighty at home. I, I think those are uh, too favorable for Edmonton in this matchup. What say you? I totally agree, Paul. I I like uh, Seattle on that that money line there. Yeah. I think that's pretty straightforward at plus one fifty five. Look, I'm going to give you a crazy one here. Uh, what if you took the Kraken minus a goal and a half? So the, a standard puck line bet um, mm-hmm. comes in at plus 310. Really wow. good value for just flipping who you take on the puck line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think that's some good value. I know I talked about Amanda Kane's back. Jack Campbell's been playing really well. But we said a lot of good things about Seattle. And at plus 310 value, I, I think that's worth a serious, serious look um, to see what you can get out out of uh, the Kraken tonight. Maybe the last pairing, game of the night. I was going to say maybe, maybe pairing that with the over. If both teams continue to score like they have, go over on, on a Seattle win and see what kind of payoff that is. That'd be a healthy one too, I would imagine. But, yeah, absolutely. You could just go. Let me see if I can find uh, any quick uh, preset game parlays here. You go. A uh, Kraken win and over six and a half comes in at plus 310 yeah. on your value there. Um, so a pretty good spot to be in, in in that one. Good good value there. Good call on, on pairing those up, Paul. Last game of the night is the other snooze fest. Uh, <laughs> Detroit plays Arizona. I don't imagine a lot of people staying up for that one, even in Detroit. Um, you've got the Red Wings minus 130. As the favorites here, uh, the total set at six and a half. Red Wings on the puck line is plus 185. Paul, what do you make of this matchup? I think this is a dog's breakfast, AJ. There's there's some good things to be said about both, both clubs and some bad things. So uh, uh, looking at the goal scoring, uh, total goals in this matchup might be the way to go for me because I don't trust either defense. Vimelka, you touched on it early in the show. He's not the Vimelka of the first half of the season, so they're leaking more goals than they ever have. And I just never trusted defense, the defense of the tr- structure of the Red Wings. So I'll take the over. It's already set at six and a half. I say they go over seven, and you get more money on the payout there. So uh, that concludes our look at at, uh, all things hockey for this week, AJ. And we're another week closer to the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg, like I said, was a lot of players coming off the uh, IR or LTIR most recently. The fact that teams are hard up against the cap, I don't know what that's going to do to the the number of transactions for the remainder of the year. But uh, the fact that teams are getting healthier, you're going to get stronger clubs and uh, more clubs that really want to, separate themselves from the pretenders and and also challenge for uh, something. I mean, look at Tampa and Toronto. Will they fight it out to see who gets that extra home game and that what will eventually be that first round series? How far is either team willing to go at the trade deadline? I'm certain there's lots of teams all over the league that will be watching teams in their division to see if team A does this, team B has to do something else. That might be the biggest motivation uh, in terms of the number of transactions do you think that'll be the way it plays out? Or do you think a lot of teams are just going to say, well, we don't have a lot of wiggle room. Maybe we'll stand pat. Somehow teams always manage to figure it out. Like it's just, <laughs> you know, every year I, I feel like we find ourselves in this spot. Like, yeah, there's just not a lot of cap. You know, it's the last couple of years with the cap going up so incrementally, like a million a year. I feel like the last few seasons we've been like, yeah, I just don't know how teams are going to figure this out, blah, blah, blah. Then you have a guy dip his toe in Arizona for half a second and suddenly, you know, his cap hit is much more manageable. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I just, I 
teams are so creative. Plus with the LTIR loophole, um, there, there, there's ways to make the moves and, and we'll see uh, the normal high volume of moves by, by the top teams. I certainly hope so. It'll make for a good, uh, good conversation on this show and hopefully good listening for our, our fan base. AJ will uh, thank them all for listening to Rotor Wire's podcast with that uh, Satsman and AJ for this edition. And as always, we remind you that we're here to help you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. I know I'm having a lot of fun with my Champions League team that's in contention again. We encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. Don't misspell that email. It's an easy one. So long, everybody. <laughs>